I'm John, and this is In Orbit. Welcome, welcome everyone to the podcast. We're thrilled you're listening in and keeping us in your orbit. I'd like to invite you to take a moment and think about how much the world has changed over the past 20 years, particularly in terms of technological advancement. Now, I'm old enough to remember the novelty of families owning a home PC. Today, at any given moment, human beings now hold more computing power in the palm of their hand than sent the first astronauts to the moon. That's staggering. The world is more connected, it's more digitized, and at the heart of this period of evolution, this information age, is, of course, data. At least in the developing world, there's hardly an area of human life not affected by data and the ways we gather and analyze it and the subsequent ways we hopefully use it to improve life. Naturally, KBR uses data in many different ways to help our clients, from facilitating business transformation to real-time monitoring of assets to developing tools to help conserve natural resources and fight climate change. The list goes on and on, including the work our experts do with the United States government to deliver solutions that advance defense and national security interests. Well, we're excited to have one of those experts with us on the podcast today. Kim Cates is a senior data scientist with KBR's Defense Systems Engineering Business Unit, part of KBR Government Solutions United States, and she's here to talk to us about the fascinating and important work she does, as well as her personal experience working in the wild world of data science. Welcome to the podcast, Kim. Thank you, John. Happy to be here. So glad you are with us. Well, as is our custom, before we start talking about speeds and feeds and solutions and things, we want to get to know you a little bit. So would you please tell us about yourself and about your journey into the field of data science? Yeah, absolutely. So this question actually comes up a lot with me and people I encounter. So it's not a very typical route that I took. Um, I initially wanted to go into cognitive neuroscience um, I got into my graduate program. I always really loved statistics, and I just learned research wasn't really for me. So I actually ended up learning Python during grad school. I already knew R, which is another language, um, and I did a small project in machine learning. And then my final graduate project was in machine learning, actually uh, building a CNN, or an, an image detection model, to predict cognitive impairment using MRI images. Um, and from there, I got my first job, or I guess more so internship at KBR. And then once I was done my graduate program, KBR offered me a full-time position. That's awesome. So you are you are one of the 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 budding data scientists that have come up through the ranks of uh, KBR internships. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. It's it's always uh, wonderful and promising to hear about the the success of those internship programs across the world, whether it's in the U.S. or the U.K. or or where. So that's that's a really inspiring story. So you, I in reading about you, as is my custom personally, I do a little bit of um stalking, internet stalking of guests. And so <laughs> you earned a master's degree from Seton Hall in experimental psychology. I'm also just um, fascinated by your your interest in cognitive neuroscience and then how that translates to what you do today. But anyway, you, you earned your master's in experimental psychology, data visualization, and analysis. So that is a fascinating confluence of subject matter and and interesting to think about how all of those areas relate to each other. So would, would you tell us more about those interests and how it informs the work that you do today? So, I mean, naturally, experimental psychology deals with uh, data visualization. Typically, I mean, you're going to be visualizing data, obviously. Um, and then in addition to that, um, 
statistics, you're going to be evaluating the data. So any kind of research involves probability testing. So it's pretty straightforward. I think most people would know that. Uh, but in my current role, actually, um, there's a lot that actually translates into data science, machine learning, what have you. I think really you just need to have a good intuition with the data at a very high level. Uh, the ability to do research. So oftentimes a customer will come to you or me as a data scientist with a problem saying they want to model this data a certain way. So you kind of have to have the ability to independently research the problem and know what kind of models you can use and what look at, you know, what kind of papers have done something similar. Um, so that's where the research aspect comes into it. Um, from a statistics perspective, um, a lot of the concepts in statistics actually translate over into uh, machine learning, and especially when it comes to feature selection and um, also tuning the parameters, so understanding which parameters to select for the models. So you're mm -hmm. typically going to be evaluating, okay, given these features, how well does the model perform in contrast to other features or, you know, you know, a combination of parameters. Um, and then a lot of the math. So, I mean, machine learning, I would say, and when, and when you get into neural networks also, uh, really involves, you know, obviously statistics and then pre-calc, calc, and then linear algebra. So that's kind of stuff that I also, I learned in grad school and also continuously learn on the job. I think right. it really just, I think it really just comes down to, um, the ability to, you know, believe that you can learn for yourself. There's a lot of resources out there. There's a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of blogs, um, that you can watch and it will explain it conceptually, mathematically. Whatever you want, it's out there. So you just got to look for it and have the confidence that you can do it. That's awesome. So the term data science, of course, covers a lot of ground um, at its most basic. It's extracting knowledge from all kinds of sources to solve problems or improve processes. And you've already alluded to this a little bit. Um, but would you tell us about your specific role and how your work helps solve those client problems. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few different roles I play. The first thing that comes to mind is I am currently a product owner on a contract that provides NLP for the JSF program. Um, what that really involves is providing technical guidance to some of the data scientists, really making sure that they're not getting too much into the weeds of what they're developing. Uh, I think it's very common for any developer, whether it's data scientist, computer scientist, what have you, um, if you're deep in the code, you really need somebody to look at the bigger picture, making sure you're checking it at multiple steps of the way. So, for example, that could be anything from making sure your code runs, making sure it's spitting out the proper results, making sure that you're visualizing everything correctly and making sure it's user friendly. So all that. So just really ensuring that process um, from a customer side. Um, and then other projects that I'm on as more so a data scientist. Um, so I support AFRL. So one of the projects that's of high interest to me is building a model uh, to predict cognitive performance with exposure to GeForce. So that's one that's heavily... Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that one's just... that I've kind of pivoted into doing more so human research or human performance research as that relates to my background with cognitive neuroscience and working with medical data. Um, and then Another project is building out visuals for knowledge graphs. In other words, not necessarily a knowledge graph, but a meta knowledge graph. So a knowledge graph is a way to represent the taxonomy of um, information in a conceptual way. Uh, so one of the projects we're building out these meta graphs of medical data. And we've done this a few times. So my role is to create the visual for that. And then lastly, the third project 
or I guess that's the fourth. Uh, the fourth project that I'm on is uh, essentially recreating a process that I've done, actually I published a paper on with some other colleagues, uh, to automatically cleanse some maintenance data for aircrafts. Um, so yeah, that's those are all the projects. Um, two of them are more so NLP and two of them are more so focused on human performance or medical data. That's so interesting that it that it covers, I mean, even just in the work that you're doing from asset management and maintenance to human performance. Yeah, yeah. So it, it varies and all those projects are pretty interesting, very stimulating, definitely not redundant at all. Well, in addition to uh, keeping you interested in your work, uh, what's been one of the more rewarding breakthroughs or discoveries that you've had so far while working at KBR? Um, I would say in terms of the work that I do, I think the knowing that we can develop a three-step process to automatically cleanse data, that's been really rewarding because that will save a lot of these maintainers a lot of time. Um, in addition to that, I would say building a model to predict cognitive performance, um, given the exposure to G-Force. So with that project, it's been a lot of learning signal processing and learning how to align all these physiological sensors together, and then taking these cognitive measures and extracting what we define as a metric of cognitive performance. So, and then working that all into one overall model um, so far appears to be pretty fruitful and we haven't even brand this model on all the data yet. So that's pretty exciting to me. Um, and then I think, and I, I, I would imagine this extends outside of just the work, but I think also kind of mentoring other younger developers and data scientists to you know, really push them to challenge themselves has also been rewarding to me as well. Oh, that's fantastic. What well, sounds like in, in your field, if there is a challenge, you you reset the model and go again. So maybe maybe there aren't any huge hurdles that you have to um, have to cross. But I'm wondering what are what are some of the bigger challenges that you face in your work? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that comes to mind is I would say anything dealing with infrastructure. Um, a lot of times the data pipeline in which we're accessing the data to pre-processing the data to loading it into a BI tool or making it accessible to the customer is typically pretty outdated. And it takes a lot of work to really communicate that to our stakeholders, our customers, that we really need this infrastructure to be built out to, in other words, streamline our process of pre-processing the data and ultimately running our models through it. It's been a huge headache on a few projects just pre-processing the data because a lot of times the infrastructure or the way in which we're collecting this data and storing it is outdated. So that's been a lot of fun. <laughs> so what are the what are the ways to to remedy that situation with a with an outdated infrastructure? So typically what we've done and we've had I think on a lot of the teams that I've been on there's been enough funding via R&D. Um so what we typically do is we'll set up an example pipeline in an environment that we already have accessible, such as GovCloud or some kind of cluster set up within um, an instance within GovCloud, more or less, um, and essentially just do like a, I guess, alpha initial test case of what this like streamlined data preprocessing pipeline look like um, anywhere from where we're storing the data in some cloud database and then also rerunning all of our we're running all of our pre-processing scripts and then loading that in and then ultimately training and running our model on it. 
um, to there, right? That way there's not really necessarily a, somebody manually storing the data and, you know, having some errors occur. Right. Um, we're going to change gears a little bit. And um, it's, a, it's a topic certainly worth mentioning. But as with many industries and sectors in which KBR does business. Data science has historically been a predominantly male field. I read the split, you know, nowadays is at or around 80% to 20% male to female. How has that disparity shaped your experience in data science? Yeah, absolutely. So I always tell my friends, I work with all guys. Um, so far, I would say that it has been an overall pretty positive experience at KBR. Um, I, a lot of these guys that I work with, even as some of them I am their manager, I consider them to be kind of like a brother. That's the relationship that we have. Um, I would say it's overall very laid back. I came from a master's program that was predominantly women. And I think that we're kind of conditioned to be intolerant to failure. Mm. And I think working in a, in a male dominant field, it's really allowed me to be okay with failing. Um, and that was definitely a, a shocker for me when I first got into this field. Um, and then otherwise, I think as a woman in data science, I think that it does require you to be assertive to a degree um, and really stand up for what you need, as I have been a few times, but also, you know, in moderation. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, because I think that there will be times where there is unconscious bias that comes into play and people, it's unconscious for a reason. They don't really necessarily know what's happening. Um, and when it does happen, I don't, there have been a few situations where communication has been a bit odd, or maybe things were offered to other of, you know, my colleagues that weren't offered to me initially, but I never really assume it has to do with gender, or, you know, sex or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I just address it, uh, pretty objectively. Um, and overall, I think it's worked out in my favor. I think that me being assertive and speaking up for myself has actually allowed me to gain more respect among my team and the people I work with. That's excellent, uh, especially knowing that one of the big things over the past couple of years that KBR has been promoting is that idea of psychological safety, where people are encouraged to bring those ideas up and to voice their opinions without any, um, you know, fear of retaliation or anything like that. So that's encouraging to hear that it's been an, an overall positive experience and that when you speak up, you're listened to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm interested to know what in your opinion, is the reason behind that? And how can the collective we remedy the underlying issues? I know that to promote education in STEM fields, KBR does outreach in a lot of different areas. So I'm I'm wondering uh, what we can do to, to remedy that. I think the biggest thing that I've experienced through talking to some of my other female friends that are interested in data science is, or some other similar fields is this idea of imposter syndrome, as if they don't have the credentials or they don't have the background in math or in programming. So they don't feel like they can achieve, you know, going to this, you know, heavily tech fields. Mm. Um, but I think something I've learned in, in working in this job is, and also what I see with others too, that are more junior is that it's really as daunting as you make it. Um, like I said, there's so many resources out there to learn things such as, you know, signal processing or some kind of mathematical equation, like you can, you can learn it if you really put your mind to it. Mm. And I think a lot of people kind of stop there. They're like, this is too much for me. I'm not familiar with it. Um, so really trying to encourage other people that they can just because, mm. you know, for me, I come from a psychology background. <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously a lot of people have a lot to say about 
psychology backgrounds and, you know, that is not, you know, STEM, a pure, you know, what pure STEM is, but right. I always love to argue that, that point of it, it doesn't necessarily matter your background. Um, cause you can, you can achieve anything if you really, if you really want to, if you put your mind to it. Absolutely. That's an important message for anyone. Yeah. So what is your sales data science pitch to young professionals considering career choices, particularly females? So I would say if you love to continue learning and you are confident in your ability to independently learn things on your own um, and love having the freedom to explore different models and approaches um, and also creative and analytical at the same time, I would say go for it. Um, it's an insanely demanding field right now, and there's a lot that it has to offer with a lot of different applications. And just don't allow yourself to get scared by all the complexities and nuances of the models and the technologies that are out there, because there's so many. It sounds like uh, that sort of answered the, qu the next question, which was, what advice would you have for young professionals in data science? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's basically it. I mean, it's it's really just a matter of and this is this can be applied to anything when you're learning something new. I mean, you really just have to make sure that you remain focused on what skill sets you have or what preliminary background and education you might have and what you can reach and don't, you know, obviously don't start comparing yourself to other people because I mean, a lot of people that I work with have backgrounds in computer science or have been programming since mm -hmm. they were in high school. So you just have to continuously remind yourself of what your background is and where your goals are in terms of improving for yourself. And I guess that kind of goes into, you know, don't allow yourself to get caught up in all the complexities of what's out there. Because with the neural network, there's so many things that go into it in terms of like how you optimize it to all the different model weights, to all the different architectures. Just focus on one thing at a time, learning one concept at a time, because each, each individual concept is not that complicated. But if you look at it as a whole, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. Before I let you go, do you have uh, any parting thoughts for us? Uh, I would say just as I've been repeatedly saying, just know when to take the lead and initiative on things. And if you believe that you can achieve something, go for it. And just don't let other people tell you that you can't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think on that one for the rest of the day. Kim, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you being on the podcast with us. Yeah, thank you very much. I don't know what other podcasts you listen to, but I imagine you'd be hard-pressed to get insights into cutting-edge data science and some valuable life advice. So just know you can get it all here on In Orbit. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing from Kim Cates as much as I did, and we want to thank Kim again for talking about the amazing work she's doing with KBR and for sharing a bit about her personal journey. Also, we want to thank Emma, our wonderful producer, for the work she does getting these episodes out to your ears. If you're interested in learning more about the work we do in data science, cyber, cloud computing, a slew of other critical areas, I encourage you to go spend some time on KBR.com. Also, if you're a budding or seasoned data scientist and you're interested in seeing what opportunities might be available at KBR, you can also check out our careers page. And finally, if you like what you heard today or if you have an idea for a future episode, let us hear about it at inorbit at KBR.com. And that's all from me. One last big thank you to all you listeners out there for spending some of your time with us today and keeping us in your orbit. Take care. Take care.